0: hi everybody and welcome back it's krista living sober and we're here for my next episode enjoy Welcome back to Krista Living Sober. Today I have a special guest speaker, Travis Sackett, um, and he is the author of My Life with Karma. Thank you for coming on my podcast. So excited to have you here.
1: Hey, Krista, thank you. Mm -hmm. I appreciate you bringing up the book too. That's That's awesome.
0: Yeah, of course. Let's start off by you telling the audience and listeners a little bit about yourself and where you're from, where you live now, how long you've been sober.
1: Sure, definitely. So I'm from Wisconsin. Um, I grew up about an hour north in Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. Um, I used to be a police officer, so that's something that's a little unique about me because you don't hear too many officers share their story, especially ones that were once addict so that's part of the reason to come on and share with you. Um aside from that I've been sober since October 2013. So it's been about eight over eight years. Yeah.
0: That's awesome.
1: Thank you. Appreciate that.
0: Yeah. I mean I only have three. I can't wait till I have eight. Like that's amazing. I love when people have long times. Hey Um, three is
1: awesome though too. So give yourself credit.
0: (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, you're Um, welcome but so you have a book out and it's still in the top 10 on Amazon. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about your book and what inspired you to write the book?
1: Sure. Definitely. The book is my life with karma. I actually, I have it right here. Um, And yeah, it's a recovery memoir. Essentially. It just, it goes over my entire story and really just breaks it down for the readers. um, What it. I wrote it to really give people a sense of what it actually takes to recover, because I've read enough memoirs where it was like, Mm -hmm. man, they just made it sound too easy. Like, it's not just you go to a few meetings, you hit maybe an IOP, and all of a sudden you're good to rock. And it just kind of bothered me because, like, a lot of the books I read, I'm like, okay, they need to go deeper. Like, that's just not gritty not raw enough and with my story I I went the exact opposite I went like as raw and as transparent as possible in hopes that I'd better connect with people and so far it's worked I mean the reviews on Amazon have been awesome I'm actually talking with Recovery Magazine and we'll see if I can do something with them in the very near future but um yeah
0: that's awesome
1: yeah for sure
0: it's amazing. So, no, you're a great writer. Like it just flowed. So I just couldn't put the book down when I read it. Oh, yeah.
1: Thank you. Um,
0: I had highlighted some um, parts from your book. I'll talk to you about that later. What was your drug of choice?
1: So my drug of choice was Oxycontin. Um, I got hooked on Oxy after, well, I was huge into powerlifting too. So I was Mm -hmm. doing the cop thing, um, doing dignitary protection for one of Wisconsin's governors. And then when I wasn't doing that, all I was doing was living in the gym, um, basically just Mm -hmm. lifting. And I qualified for a regional tournament that I ended up winning and then qualifying for Worlds in Vegas. So basically, yeah, basically I was set up to... uh, I ended up getting a sponsor in powerlifting, and I was really kind of set up to start making strides in the powerlifting community. Um, and that's around the time I hurt my back. Um, initially, I, I tweaked it in the gym, but I really didn't think too much of it. And then I went to work, and at work at the time, there was a ton of protests going on in Wisconsin. So part of my Where job, about.
0: Oh, year yeah. Is this?
1: Oh, my goodness. Um, this would have been like two thousand. 2009. Oh, or, okay. No, that's way too soon. Um, no.
0: like yeah.
1: Yeah. See, I have such a hard were they time.
0: Protesting? With...
1: Yeah. Great question. So um, the governor at the time was getting rid of unions. So he basically oh, right. wanted to abolish unions across the state. And that obviously brought up a ton of feelings and, and- Just really like with union workers, um, they came together and they wanted to protest their rights, which totally understand that. So anyway, part of what I was doing was I was on the logistics team and we had to feed all the officers that were working the protest. And at any day, there were up to 600 officers. So it was crazy, like the amount of people we had to get fed and just taken care of. So I was moving these giant coolers and I'm a big dude. So I was like, okay, I'll do it myself. No big deal. Well, I twisted the wrong way and just instantly felt it in my lower back. Like I was like, okay, that's not good. Like that's more than something like, just like a muscle, something popped. I was like, all right, Uh... not great. But I worked through it and I worked a few more days of the protest before I finally had a day off and was able to go to a doctor. And when I went to the doctor, they said I herniated two discs in my lower back, L four and L five. And one of them was on the verge. They thought it was gonna rupture because you yeah. could actually, yeah, just looking at my spine, you could even mm-hmm. see like the bulge. And I was like, Oh yeah, this is not a mm-hmm. thing. I couldn't so imagine you put that
0: me- pain. back. No, it the worst. was
1: It really is. I mean, you probably know too from being pregnant. like just the different amount of back pain and things you you run into but Mm -hmm. yeah so I was in rough shape um and basically went to a doctor he hooked me up with 30 days of oxy and told me I had to see my primary care doctor and then probably a specialist well I really didn't think too much of it like it was just like any other drug. I took it normally, um, took it as prescribed, and it worked. And I was like, okay, this is great. Like I was still able to lift about eighty, eighty-five percent of what I was doing. So I just, I, I figured, fuck it. I was just going to keep doing what I was doing, not worry about going to a doctor, and try to go to worlds. Um, so so was that's this basically.
0: So you took the pills for the thirty days normally, and you were still working out
1: yeah I was you were still yeah. going to the
0: gym so the yeah. pills kind of like for pain medication right so it kind of it just eased the pain so you could function normally
1: yeah yeah mm-hmm. basically okay. what it did well they also gave me something for muscle spasms and something else for I think um for sleep too so okay. I remember I was taking a combination of three different things yeah. um I think trazodone might have been in that mix I'm not sure okay. what else but Um, yeah, I mean, at first I looked at Oxy as a miracle drug because it, it literally did work for me. It was like, okay, I'm not feeling the pain and I'm able to function. So this is great. Um, so then I ended up getting a 90 day refill, um, basically from the same doctor who said, okay, we can do 90 days. Well, you try to get everything sorted out, but after that, I'm going to have to cut you off. So it was over that 90 day time period that, my relationship with the drug really developed, like, and I call it a relationship, because all of a sudden, it like, it took control over everything else. Like, that was the most important thing in my life. Like, I was Mm -hmm. clock watching all the time, just waiting until I could take my next dose. And then eventually, I said, forget clock watching, I'm just going to take it when I feel like I need it. Mm -hmm. And that's where I started running into trouble because instead of taking it like every three to four hours, I was taking it like every one to two hours and then I was running out faster than like, I went through that 90 day supply in like maybe 40, 45 days. So I needed, yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. And so So they just gave
0: you the 90 um, days uh, prescription and then just cut you off. Like they wouldn't give you any more. Was this no, around the time where opioids were new to like the two doctors in the scene? N- yeah, so they newer. were recommending it for pain instead of anything else I see.
1: Exactly. Yeah, it was like the hot new product at the time. So basically like if you went in almost with any kind of pain, I would guess you were yeah. probably going to get a script and that's just how it was. So basically after that I did a little bit of doctor shopping um, I know I went to like a different walk-in, ended up getting another 30 days. It wasn't Oxy. It was something else, but it still, it helped. Mm-hmm. But basically I was craving the Oxy. It wasn't it was like,
0: strong.
1: Exactly. Didn't do the things I wanted it to do. Like I wanted to be able to still lift. I wanted to be able to actually tie my shoes and not have like yeah. back spasms, things like that. Um, so it was like, all right, well, this other med kind of helped. It really didn't do That's it. when a guy through my gym who I, I knew he was able to get like steroids, stuff like that. And when, when we were talking, talking just like, like giving each other spots at the gym. I kind of, I told him more or less like, hey, you know, I've been taking oxy for my back. I got cut off. And he's like, well, I can get you. And that was basically all I needed to hear. It was like, all right, there's my in. So I okay. ran with it.
0: Wow. So, when you didn't have the pills in your system, you kind of felt the withdrawals right away. Like you needed it. Like you became dependent oh, yeah. so quickly.
1: Definitely. Yeah. Scary. I mean, it, it like said, it hooks in so deep within that 90 day period though. that it was insane. Like, like I said, uh, not only like the clock watching, but like just constantly thinking. Yeah. Like not being, being able to. Able- change kind of my focus other than thinking about the drug and like when when can I take this again like I'm starting to feel my back I'm starting to feel pain this is uncomfortable and then it went from uncomfortable to more like unbearable and then it was like okay I still have I can take another pill and that's the way I was living day in and day out um and basically and it was still it going just to work working. yeah I was still going to work on, um, on the I,
0: drugs as a cop
1: Yup. Yeah. Exactly. I wasn't doing dignitary protection anymore. I was actually at uh, mm-hmm. UW Madison, and I was a security supervisor. So, and just you know, using at work too. Like I wrote in the book that it got mm-hmm. it was starting my by body. crushing and snorting one pill, and then taking another one. And the reason I was doing that, I just wasn't getting like the upload in my system mm-hmm. fast enough. Like people who are users you. know that like usually if you take them orally you have kind of like this calm demeanor where you're just constantly oh, it's basically like a
0: downer yeah
1: yeah it's not, exactly it's not really an upper no not at all so in order to combat that like not only was i a ridiculous amount of caffeine like was, I was doing like pre-workout in like just crazy shit like that mm. um just to try to counteract it but also i found if i snorted one i got more of an upper feel than the downer mm. So it's kind of like, like balance that up. out. Like I said, before I knew it, it was, I was so deep that I was working with the dealer. And then after that, um, I was paying. Like how much were so, you buying
0: from the dealer?
1: Oh my mm-hmm. goodness. So $100. Yeah, I was paying $10 a pill. So I think he knew that as a cop. So Wait. it was like, he taxed me like to the full extreme. And when I would buy the pills, so I would get. 30 at 300 or 60 at 600 so i get usually i get 60 at a time and i blow through those in about uh 15 to 20 days so yeah so like my monthly habit was anywhere from like 18 to 2400 damn that's Um,
0: expensive
1: yeah yeah so Clearly on a cop's salary, I couldn't afford that. Like mm-hmm. that just wasn't in the cards. Like I had a mortgage on top of that. Um, my wife at the time had a horse, like so we had way more money going out than we had. And at first I like, like I sold off like Nintendo with all my games, like, other things that were collectible that meant something to me from my childhood. But I was like, yeah. Okay, I need the pills more once I ran, ran out of like Personal items that were worth money. Then I began stealing from from the gym, um, from the same gym part. I was working out at. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, without implicating other people, like someone at the gym where I could get the information through, and then I knew someone that would buy the information. So, that's like the middle person. Yeah. So I got caught. So. How
0: long did um, that last?
1: Oh, I was stealing off for about six months before they caught me. A like,
0: long time.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I think honestly I think they could me pretty quickly but, but instead they were building a case
0: I see
1: and I got arrested yeah, yeah. they came a file like this thick and dropped it on the table, table and, and we're like okay shit like, like oh shit I know exactly like,
0: uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah
1: but I'm like not gonna say that to them so I played mm-hmm. dumb at first what oh, you're talking about and then eventually no, I'm not-, not gonna say anything I need to be and then right there, arrested, taken handcuffs in front of all the officers stuffed in the back of the squad mm. car, and taken to the same jail that I um people to, so it was yeah, yeah it was pretty rough
0: it, um, right, so what happened in court? Did it I take mean, a while for you to like get sentenced?
1: It did. It took almost a year, um
0: yeah,
1: because like. That I had at the time was he was a former d a good attorney um and he basically he went back and forward with the d a um in the meantime i got um started to get some sober time um basically tried to kind of start to turn my life around it was all like falling apart and you know just doing whatever I could do to make ends meet. Came home, home and, and my wife had me. moved out. So, like, while I was at work, I was working a double, and yeah, I came mm. home and um, yeah. and yeah, it was just, it was what did it... she
0: know? Did she know that you were on opioids? Did she ever suspect you were using? Because I mean, she.
1: So with she some people it's she... easy
0: to tell, but yeah, it's just like, it... you don't know like.
1: Yeah, she claimed she didn't like. She thought that I just had a really bad problem with caffeine and possibly alcohol. That's what she told my best friend. So,
0: yeah, that's so, tough. It so was. So at this point, you're done. How long did you do like the program for, or what kind of treatment?
1: So was it? I, uh, it was, um, a counseling, and, and then-, then it was like. Ma- not mandatory but voluntary like night classes that i would go to was wasn't it yet though no like no the- oh, this was all this was all beforehand like this was basically like things that my attorney told me like dude you need to get your shit together otherwise if you go in front of court like just a complete mess that's not going to yeah. help you so well, like i was getting sober but not necessarily for the right reasons it was more right. or less like this is what I have to do so I'm like I'll do it and I mean I ended up getting a year that way but it wasn't it was like white knuckling just not not a good time like I was in sobriety at all yeah Um, because when you have to
0: do it it's different than when you want to do it I feel like when you have to do something like whatever probation of the courts say then we're gonna just get it over with but we're not technically ready to stop using yeah that's how it was for me Oh yeah. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. hands
1: down. So, so, so basically I get sober and mm-hmm. one night I relapse. Um, okay. I decide that I'm going to go to a bar. Like I didn't relapse on my drug of choice. I just decided like, okay, yeah. I couldn't sleep. I had a and And I was like, I just need a drink, like need to be able to go to sleep, get some quality mm-hmm. sleep and I'll be better the next day. Well, that okay but at this point
0: are yeah. are you a year off opioids
1: yeah I'm a year off opioids. wow yeah did you
0: use any I don't know what they take instead of opioids like suboxone or oh, anything like no I didn't did you just did a cold turkey or did yeah how to yeah. wean yourself off
1: no actually I mean that's what I should have done a little like and this is a disclaimer for anyone listening don't do what I'm going to tell you I just did like it is not smart at all yeah. so I took a week I prepped and I I was just going to detox at home um basically I went to Walgreens got some bottles of water, water some pro put, put everything in a bag because I knew it was going to be bad I just didn't know how bad and was, <laughs> like, was going to face end this ended up dumping the rest of the pills I had I down had. the garbage disposal <laughs> and I remember um so Karma the dog that I had at the time who is like my ride yeah, or die. talk about
0: your dog. Okay.
1: I, so so anyway, so Karma, who's like my ride or die, like I made us both like a steak dinner to be like, okay, we're gonna like celebrate this before I get sober. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, man, that weekend was absolute hell. Like I ended up sicker than I've ever been before. Um, Pretty much just on the bathroom floor, not being able to do anything other than throw up and lay back down on the floor. Mm-hmm. Basically, like I just wrote it out. Um, there were a few times where I didn't, I felt like it really felt like I wasn't going to make it. Like it was like, it was that bad. Like, because not only physically was I pain came back. So everything that I wasn't feeling all of a sudden I was feeling again. So it was just like the most intense pain. It was like, uncomfortable itchy feeling mm. on top of just being mm. massively ill um uh, but I'm wow. through the weekend
0: did having your dog help oh, oh. okay
1: of course okay yeah. she's what kept me alive to Sorry. be honest with you
0: tell us how you rescued karma
1: okay so I actually heard that I was working with Dr. at the gym Gino. like he told me and he's like yeah there's this dog that's chained out to a tree or a pity or what it, it is, is but He's like, I know you love dogs, and if you want to go check it out, the people will probably just give it, like, like at that point, in time, I mean, I was, I was barely, barely taking, taking care of myself, so I'm like, do I have a dog to the mix? mix, like, can I even, but, but I was, I was like, like, well, I don't, don't want, want this animal to suffer, and just go, go check, check it, it out, out. So, so I drive out to this house, yeah, yeah there's this poor, emaciated dog, like, underweight, you can see her, like, her ribs, her backbone, everything, and she's just hanging to a tree yeah, there was like, but no water in it, it was flipped over, there was no food, and I'm fucked, so I went went up, knocked on the door, door. no (laughs) one knocked again, no one, I saw someone like play the blinds, and like look outside, so I'm like, okay, someone's here, they just, you know, are kind of, like, well, what am I gonna do, do I take this out, like, what, I don't know, and like, if I leave here, so, Mm -hmm. the hardware store on the way to this house, and I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I went to the hardware store and went back, went, went and knocked on the door again, told them basically, you know, I, I want your dog. Like I have money on me and no one answered. And I was like, just walked out and uh, was pretty careful. Like I threw some french fries, like to distract, get the bolt cutter on the chain. So I ended up clipping her um, with the bolt cutter and um, some careful negotiation, got her into the back of the car. And that was so.
0: Oh. I love that. <laughs> I love yeah. the bond that you yeah. end up having with your dog through your story. You always have to buy the book to read about it. <laughs> but um, oh, for sure. it reminded me of, yeah, it reminded me of my rescue dog, Zila, because she was with me for about seven or eight years before she passed away, but she was a part of my, you know, active addiction. And then when I recovered, she, I had her for one more year before she passed, but yeah dogs are the best oh they're really they really are hard.
1: and it's that, that unconditional love. love like you, you can't, can't find that anywhere, anywhere else I, at least I don't think like I, I mean
0: right yeah, yeah. unconditional yeah. yeah all right so you oh, sobered down. up on your own that is amazing <laughs> you know you don't really hear of anybody detoxing yeah. themselves what no, happened after no, that I mean, you
1: so so I did the detox you're under right. my belt and then Right. And the night I went out, um, oh. I ended up drinking Long Islands. Like I, I was there, there for, for about two hours. And I think I put down anywhere from like six to eight Long Islands. To like just not definitely had, had a, a serious a, buzz going not. on. And then they called Barklows. So I was like, all right, well, on I'm not the drive driving. home, I ended up. I was like okay well I'm gonna walk the rest of the way but first I'm like I gotta go to the bath That'd be sick so Mind I ended up, up peeing on the mm-hmm. side of this guy's house and throwing up then I was like okay I think I'm good to walk home leaned up against the car was like my shit just get like enough gusto to get home and ended up sending off the car alarm so now all of a sudden yeah car alarm's going off I'm like I've got nowhere to go I mean I'm six feet like at the time I was around like 2.20, 2.30. So I'm like, do I hide? What do I do? So I ran. And you're, tried to you're hide on someone car. else's
0: car, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah someone else's car. Like my car is at this time, my car is like crashed, kind of like it. half propped mm-hmm. up on the curb. Yeah, yeah. So I try to hide. Neighbor's car in a different driveway, and I'm like, I'm sticking out. I'm way too big to do this. This is not working for me. I open the car, I go, get in the car and just put the seat back and try to like basically. basically yeah. This neighbor comes outside, he sees me in the vehicle. He's got a big light flashlight, and he's like, shining the light, screaming, Shit, the really- car, everything like that. I'm trying to explain to him, I'm drunk, oh, I live up the street, and like, and he seemed cool for a second, so I'm like, okay, I'll get the car um he said when i got out of the car i lunged at him i'm pretty sure i just Mm -hmm. took a drunk stumble because i was not trying to fight crazy Crazy. and he uh ended up beating me with the megalite flashlight
0: jeez i
1: fractured my skull yeah so i fractured my skull in three different spots and um air actually reached my brain cavity so Mm -hmm. so i got when I wake when, up, police and paramedics are there. Like, I have no idea what's going on. I completely like lost a huge chunk of time in there. Next thing I know, they're like, "Yeah, we're taking you to hospital, hospital." I went to. They couldn't they treat me like my wounds were severe. So then I had to get transported to a second hospital, and that's where they were like, "Yeah, you're going to have to have multiple surgeries." Um, One to repair all the damage to like the left side of my face. Um, And then the other one was to get the air out of my brain cavity. Mm -hmm. So I had surgeries, and for a little over the police came and and I was the whole time this all went on, I was on probation from the thefts that we talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. So I violated my probation. So they're like, okay, you're going back to jail. I literally went from having the surgeries to, two days not even recovered like my goal I remember my goal for the day was to get up use the bathroom by myself and to try to take a shower like that was the goal the nurses Mm -hmm. set for me and instead of doing that I got brought to jail so yeah so I get to jail and I'm a complete mess like the whole side of my face is swollen I can't see out of my eye it's just you know I'm basically falling apart And they're like, like, straight from the
0: hospital.
1: Yeah, straight from the hospital. So like you're not fit for general population, Mm -hmm. but the jail, they didn't have like a medical wing or anything. So they're basically, they decided, well, the best place for me was solitary confinement. So I went right from the hospital to jail to solitary confinement. And that's where I spent the next seven days um, recovering until they said that I was good enough to join, like, general population. So, yeah, and that's the story that uh, got me sober. That's really what was my rock bottom Mm -hmm. and my breaking point, so. Mm
0: -hmm. And I know jail isn't easy. I mean, I only spent 30 days in jail after my second OUI, but, you know, I notice that they don't really have doctors like they don't do a lot for people who are injured or who come in like you know
1: no not at all yeah it's really hard so I mean yeah basically I mean it was it was what it was um and I had to so with the head injury too I lost my ability to write and I was really struggling with speech. Um, I had aphasia, which is what like most stroke patients have, where you get stuck on words, like you can't get it out. Um, So I had to reteach myself how to write and kind of even how to talk again. (laughs)
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, So yeah, it was
0: that's amazing. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And being a cop in jail, like were you just yeah, like scary. Not at all. Or oh my
1: god, no one
0: messed with you. Or
1: being a big guy helped. Like, like I'm not gonna lie. Like that, that definitely yeah. is it's... in my favor. The other thing I did in jail, like my mom is well, she wasn't our teacher. She so I can draw. So the one thing I did right away for other inmates was like, if anyone needed anything drawn on like a card home or a tattoo design, anything like that, mm-hmm. I was the guy so instead of being known as like a cop i was known as like the pod artist everyone's like oh yeah you need something go to travis like he'll hook you up for a design and then yeah so that's how i got by like was literally just doing artwork work and basically keeping my head down hell no one recognized me because i realized like dude if they recognize me and they are like yeah this guy used to be a cop yeah. like i would have been fucked like mm-hmm. there was no way that would have been a good mm-hmm. fortunately i got through it i survived it um without yeah. anyone recognizing me or anyone really like i never got in like a big fight or anything like that um just that's like i said good. cut my head down and figured my shit out
0: <clears throat> so getting injured going to jail that was your rock bottom that's what oh, yeah. completely made you change your life around become sober um and when you got out of jail were you placed on probation what happened parole yeah
1: so <laughs> when I was out of jail um so my probation got revoked
0: mm-hmm.
1: I think almost nine months um and then I had to do an additional I'm not sure how long on the ankle bracelet Yeah. so I was on the bracelet um actually and I took like full advantage of the situation because they allowed you to go to school so I was like had my degree degree. and I already went to college and I had my bachelor's but I'm like well maybe I can get my master's so I actually got into school I got hooked hooked up with school school, and and the other thing thing I did was an IOP program so like Mondays Wednesdays, I was going to treatment like every Monday Wednesday, Wednesday Friday Um, And that really helped, like that was kind of like the missing piece for me in terms of getting sober. So um, between IOP and then getting myself back into school, um, I had a lot like a lot going for me. Um, The only problem was with the head injury, like school was Mm -hmm. so hard, Um, especially because I still like my short term memory. I am well, I'm considered fully disabled right now from my brain injury. Because, like I'll remember we talked today, but I won't re- so it made things really difficult. So I made it through a semester of school, but like there was no way I was gonna be able to complete the whole program. So I ended up dropping out um and going back and serving at the restaurant and doing some catering. Wow, yeah. you've been through
0: so much, and yeah, your book is amazing. Some of the parts were hard to take in because like, wow, you know, um, just a rare, real story.
1: Too, like <clears throat> when I told my story, that was really important to me. Like with being an ex-cop and like knowing the yeah. relationship, like a lot of their former users have with negative, negative like yeah, like the side, side of, it, of it. Like, look, like, people, like police, police are people do, too. and like we fall. and I don't, don't think mm-hmm. there, like to be real with you, like there's because police have one of the highest rates of alcohol, career, and yep. yet how many police do you see sharing their story and being like yeah. I was an alcoholic and now I'm so I really wanted to make it a point and be like hey look like and, and just, just kind show of show the other side of it so
0: yeah and that takes a lot to even write a book or to even come out and you know tell your story so there was this painting <laughs> what happened with the painting <laughs> like i thought that was like, like finally
1: over anything yeah. that like related to my using days i, I um, um and i ended I'm up moving to, to arizona. arizona like um the girl that i was dating at the trainer and she, she got a place or a uh, position at ASU for strength and conditioning so it was like it was perfect and I, I'm like I want to get away from places where I used to use seeing you know what I mean like just completely yeah. new fresh oh, yeah. like okay moved to Arizona and I'm there for about two months and one day and all of a sudden I get a phone call from my mom oh shit like what's, what's up, up? And she's, she's like, like, have you turned on your TV? And I'm like, like no, I'm not, you know, like, and she's, she's like, like, well, I was, I was watching the Today show. show and across the bottom, like of the screen where they have the little ticker thing, police officer accused of stealing $100,000 painting. And then like, it went on to say like, Wisconsin police, like blah, blah, blah. And my mom's just like, and I, I'm thinking to myself, oh shit, like I have mm-hmm. thought about this painting in years, but yeah, I definitely wow. took a painting So like when they were changing governors, they were and And, like it was was everything from like shirts that the governor had collected for different like events, these posters and whole ton of (laughs) shit was sent was going to go to goodwill. And they said to us, well, like if you pick anything out, write it down on the sheet of paper and initial it that, okay, this is what you're taking. So I went through, and I'm looking through, like, the posters, all this stuff, and I see this painting. Honestly, I thought it was an ugly painting, but it had this awesome gold frame. And, like, I'm, like, I'm going to take this thing and repurpose it. Um, so I took it, threw it in a closet, didn't think about it for, like, a month, and then went, went I and looked at it. Up. I saw it had a gallery stamp on the back, and should have been honest, and, and returned it. And then, like, look, someone fucked up. And this, I don't think it should have been there. Instead, I ended up selling it to an art dealer in Connecticut. So years down the line, you know, no one, like, talked to me about it. No one approached all of a sudden in the media. And, like, a few days later, I get a call from the police that I was wanted for questioning with the connection of the stolen painting. And that I needed to return to Wisconsin. Um, So basically, I end up flying back. Getting an attorney again, going through everything all over again with the painting. And they they basically told me, well, for the police and you have a criminal history, we're going to push 21 years on the painting. So I was facing 21 years based on the price of, yeah, based on the $100,000 <clears> price of the painting that they came wow. up with. Now, granted, this painting, I sold it for $1,400. And yeah. they had a dealer for like three thousand for like four years and it never sold. So how they came up with a hundred time. Yeah. So like, I ended up pleading guilty to it and taking four years of felony probation um and nine months on the ankle bracelet. So that was the painting. I wish there was like this awesome story that what, I like.
0: Like in that no, but that's what gave yeah. you the felony
1: yeah that's oh, what I got my felony from oh yeah my
0: God.
1: yeah because all that's like awful. the credit mm. like the credit card stuff I ended up with misdemeanors on because we there weren't, weren't any right. transactions that were like a couple hundred bucks so that's- so that's what gave me my felony ended up having to oh one of the other things they wrote into was I had my time in the state of Wisconsin so I ended oh, up having yeah. to Move all the Ooh, way back, back from Arizona, back to Wisconsin, back to Dane County, where all the shit went down, and ended up serving four years on felony probation here. That must um, have
0: been triggering for you, in a way.
1: It it wasn't. It wasn't. It was being mm. back. Like I was yeah. seeing people again. People it was all the same
0: things. Yeah.
1: Exactly. it was all the same old shit basically I was on my final strike the only person that I kept in my life she's now my wife and karma dog I mean those were like the two pieces that stuck everything else just went by the way by literally changing everyone's gonna focus on going to meetings going to work and basically just staying sober and that's what I
0: did that's awesome thank wow. you couldn't imagine that I love where it says a mugshot should not define who I am nor should it define those in recovery that have devoted their lives to living for a greater purpose can you talk yeah. a little about that? Like, I know how that is. I, After getting my second OUI, there was a whole write-up about me in the paper from Stoughton, like, this town in Mass. And then, like, honestly, like, when I left that station that day, like, I didn't expect to be blown up everywhere with my ugly yeah. mugshot, like, on the front page. And it's just hard, you know? It was a hard thing to go through. And then, you know, having it on the internet for everyone to look up, so i can understand like it shouldn't define who people are especially like when they're trying to get their lives together afterwards
1: yeah that's exactly it and that's the point i was trying to make because so often like you get hit with a label like in my position too like once i got that felony label like i honestly believe the f and felony stands for fucked. because once you get hit with it it's so hard to even get a decent job or anything above that like and i felt like so many times it didn't matter like all the positive that i was doing like didn't necessarily matter because of the label that i had and for years i had to fight against that like and fight against myself and kind of like just get over staying stuck with that label and then to like you said the mugshot like Anytime anyone Googled me, the first thing that yeah. came up was my mugshot. And it's like, I went to multiple job interviews, even where they said like, mm. oh, you're a really great candidate. And like, I even had someone say, oh, I'm surprised. Like, you're so kind. And so like, I forget what they said, but right. but you're a felon. And it's like, yeah, like I yeah. had problems earlier and I don't know, it just... It really, it's always rubbed me the wrong way, so I wanted to make a point of that in the book that like we can't define people just based on their past actions.
0: Yeah, I also, I love where you wrote, I believe most felons are never again given the benefit of the doubt or provided a fair working alternative once the indefinite label is in place. These forever labels, not current actions, continue to dictate a felon's worth to society even decades after the original crime was committed. And then it goes on. But it's so hard. Once you're labeled, you're labeled. And I wish society was different.
1: Well, too. and then Hopefully. like between yeah. probably what you'd spend with attorneys and everything else, you up being a fair oh. amount of money, too.
0: Another favorite thing that you wrote was living sober will always trump not living at all. They love oh, that. Oh, for
1: sure. One's pretty self-explanatory, but it's yeah. so true.
0: That just reminded me of Krista living sober, you know, and that's kind of where I got my name from. So I loved it. You know, that's it will awesome. always trump not living at all because when we were in our active addictions, we weren't living. We were just existing. Yeah. You know, it was just pure misery every single day. And we would just drink or did drugs just to escape. So living sober yeah. is just completely 180 completely different life altogether yeah
1: that's exactly it and to like for me coming so close to dying like mm-hmm. that in itself is so sobering yeah. because it's like holy shit I could have died like I very easily mm-hmm. could have died and I had never looked at things like that before mm-hmm. like I was always I like oh okay like this drug's not gonna kill me this isn't gonna kill me
0: how has life changed since you've been sober
1: I mean it's it's Kind of like you said before, it's just everything that I used to do, like, not only do I know what no do, but it's like, it's not even a thought. Like, it, I live life each day to the fullest. And I mean, and I really just embrace like all the, all the good things, all the little things I used to take for granted. Now I actually like, I look forward to those things. Like, even driving my wife to work in the morning, it's like, okay, it, it's a pain in the ass. It's time we get to spend together and it's awesome and i just i have so much more gratitude i think that's the other huge thing about living oh yeah the things that i'm grateful for and the things i care about and like relationships with family too which has really helped and i mean there's just there's so many things that i can say are a like i really can't think of a negative how about you
0: since in the three years that i've had being sober like Amazing! It's just, I never thought I could be this happy. I never thought I could have the things that I have in my life. You know, a fiance, I'm having a baby. Like, you know, I was able to hold, hold a job down. I couldn't do that before when I was drinking. Um, Just the pure joy and happiness. Like all these amazing feelings that I didn't feel before either. Every day just brings new blessings on blessings. And I'm, I'm so grateful too, because you have to have, gratitude in your sobriety oh yeah and then and yeah. honesty is such a huge part of recovery as well
1: yeah well i mean think about all the times like either you bullshitted yourself or you bullshitted other people while you're in active addiction yeah. and it's like i just realized that i had to tell and like trying to those stories straight and then just like me unhappy and then i think about it now and it's like i don't have to worry about that now There's I don't have like all scenarios where I I have to be one person with group, one person with another. It's like I can just be myself.
0: I agree. Like we used to put masks on, right? Yeah. (laughs) For every different group. And I was such a liar. I was not an honest person. Um and like more than ever I try to be as honest as I can these days. I have nothing I need to lie about, nothing I need to hide anymore. Exactly.
1: (laughs) And I think that feeling is so freeing. Like, when yeah. you get to that point, especially when you come from a point where you wow. are telling lies and you are to, like, make shit up to cover your tracks. And, like, mm-hmm. it's it's so freeing and it's so different to just be able to say what I did today and not have to worry about, okay, well, are they going to find out I did A, B, or C? It's like, no, I just this is it. So, right. it's cool. Having fans back in my life helps, too, because for mm-hmm. so long... I felt so much, like, shame that I just, I, it was so hard to talk to them and to be like, okay, because of the things that I did, it, I just felt like I wasn't, like, okay, I knew I was still worthy of love, but, like, I felt like I had betrayed them so many times that I really wasn't worthy of their love, and now it feels like it's so much different. It's just reconnect and have those relationships. Back means everything
0: yeah that was the one of the worst feelings in active addiction just feeling like so like ashamed so I don't know less than that like everything you were doing was wrong and like how I don't know I mean I felt unworthy I felt like it was just so bad I think that's why I, I was always drunk in front of my family just always constantly drunk just <laughs> escaping how I felt you know but today we get to feel these feelings head on sobriety it gives us a gift
1: oh for sure and too i think with being able to feel the feelings like i mean i'm able to have real relationships with people where i actually care feeling today or like how they've been where in in the past it's like oh i had to ask but yeah exactly (laughs) i wasn't listening to the conversation it was like i was just there how hard can You... you get hit and just keep moving forward how hard could I get hit by someone else and just pick the pieces and be able to put it back together. Mm-hmm. So,
0: But for you, it was definitely like one thing after another, after another. There's always just something. And like, I was never free from that until sobriety.
1: I think we make such train wrecks out of our lives that like Mm -hmm. it takes a while to pieces back together, and And it's it's hard. One else's life is moving on, and like people obviously are in the same state, state. so it's like they're constantly moving forward while we're trying to kind of pieces and rebuild. And eventually, you meet somewhere in the middle, but for some time, it's I mean that's hard.
0: Oh, yeah. Can you give any sober advice to the listeners and the audience if they are sober curious, if they are still struggling with their active addictions, or if they're already in recovery?
1: Yeah, I mean, we talked about it before, honesty being such a big piece. Like, for me, it would be the sooner you can be honest with yourself and start being honest that's just the sooner you're going to get the right kind of treatment and the right kind of I mean right. because if you're still like telling lies or you're still like covering still just not that really, really doing what you're doing funny. the help is not going to come like but I felt like if you can just being real with people some of those relationships and all of a sudden doors start opening for you again Mm -hmm. because that's like one thing I realized too like when you're in active addiction like your options get so doors are just like constantly being closed and like once you're in recovery it's like like things start opening up again and doing so much more like more than you even thought you were capable of doing so just stick with it it and you know the honesty the best you
0: yeah I love that and like we were talking about before, like when we're not ready to get sober, like when we have to do things, because someone told us, then it's not going to happen. We have to be willing to admit that we have a problem. And then that goes along with the honesty part.
1: That's exactly awesome.
0: it. What are you most grateful okay. for in your life today?
1: Um, I'm most my wife, Vanessa, like hands down, because she's like, she's been the that, that i could hope for and honestly she's he works so much harder like she's the one who like really kind of pushed me to get the book out there now the next thing i'm doing to become a, a coach. she was, was the one who encouraged me to do that, that. i appreciate the a lot help of her her. And love her so much
0: that's awesome i love that
1: thank you dear mm-hmm. appreciate well, that. thank
0: you thank you so much for coming on my podcast it was great having you, thank you right, take care, care. and <laughs> have yeah, a good night best, that's so it. Thank you so much. Uh well, you're job. welcome. Uh, for right.
1: sure. Okay. Bye.